So I legitimately wondered if I was a little crazy this week when I was reflecting on this message that I felt like the Lord was putting on my heart. I was looking at different material and I felt like the Lord was leading me to a couple texts. But as I read them, I thought, yeah, I really agree with this, but do I, do I really want to say this right now? So I hope you can hear my heart today. I certainly... Let's just say this. It would be easy to misunderstand what I'm trying to say. And I hope you won't. But the times in the scriptures compelled me this week to this message. So I want to start in 1 Peter chapter 2. And in fact, I just want to say a prayer with you right now. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, help us. Help me to speak this the right way and help us to hear it and receive it according to your purpose. Let your spirit be active in us. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to start in 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 11, we find these words. It says, Dear friends, I'm reading from the New International Version today. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So this is an interesting passage. This is Peter writing to the believers and saying to them, we as believers need to set the example of holiness in the world. Don't be conformed. And, and it's interesting, the language he uses here in verse 11. He says, abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Sometimes when we think about sin, we only think about it in the context of, of forgiven and saved. And we don't think of it in the context of Yes, but if these things, if these sins that God has forgiven in my life, these things that he seeks to deliver me from, if I keep them around, if I keep going back to those same places, it wages war against my soul. It does me harm on a deep level. Now, that's probably... Uh, annoying enough to talk about sin and to talk about how to continue in sin is really hard on our soul. But, but this is actually not the point where this gets dangerous today. It's really in the next verse that I really start skating out onto the thin ice. So maybe I've already lost you, but, but now I'm really going to go out there on the thin ice. So here we go. Verse 13. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. All right, before we try to unpack that, let's, let's step back away from it and and remember the context in which Peter is writing. So Christians are a minority in the empire at the time when he is writing this. And as such, it's very easy for them, as it is with minorities to this day, for people who don't understand 
to be suspicious, to be fearful, to believe myths, to believe lies about that group. And so Peter is writing to the Christians of his day who are a minority in the empire, and he's giving them advice. And, and the core of it is, they're already naturally set against you, but you need to overcome that with goodness. Now, I realize in reading this passage that talks about Peter's counsel to the early believers that, that they would submit themselves to the authorities, whether it be the emperor or the governor. I realize in saying that, that I'm running a risk at this moment, actually, of offending two groups of people. And interestingly, they're almost two separate groups of people. Maybe not entirely, but uh, maybe you've noticed this in our day right now. First of all, I run the risk of ruffling the feathers of, of those who are very focused on the social justice issues right now. Because they feel very strongly that this is a time to act out and push back against authorities. But at the same time, I also am potentially ruffling the feathers of another group who right now are feeling like their individual freedoms are under attack. Maybe we could simplify this group as the don't make me wear a mask group. So we are in unusual times and there are a couple of different, uh, different things within our culture right now that are pushing against authority. Let's talk a little bit about the, the social justice side first. One of the, one of the things we've heard is, is the phrase defund police. And I know there's a lot of different definitions on that and, and, and it, the actual meaning of that phrase in many cases has been overinterpreted uh, when in fact the suggestion here is that by putting a, less money into enforcement and more money into things that can build up the community, perhaps we won't need as much enforcement. And I know that that's in the heart of a lot of people when they make that statement. But I know, also know a lot of other people hear that, and all they can hear in their minds is the reality of creeping chaos. Now, the more extreme in the various uh, camps within these discussions, the more extreme really do mean shut down police departments. But, but here's the problem. I don't know if you've noticed this or not. I'm pretty sure you have. The problem is there's evil in the world. And that evil is in the hearts of the people. And this, of course, sits at the core of the strife when we're talking about the social justice issue. What do we do when one of the places where we find the evil is in the authority? I think that very much is what initiated all of, uh, all of the outrage associated with the George Floyd scenario. Now, truly, the answer to all of this is that if everybody would just do right, then we wouldn't ever need enforcement. It's a very simple reality. It's simple to say, at least. 
But it becomes very complex in the reality of a world of sin. But, but, but before we talk about that, remember this is actually uh, something, an aspirational goal that's stated in the Lord's Prayer. Do you remember how he says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The goal in that prayer is that in fact God's will would be done on earth. But God is not in the business of forcing us. He's in the business of calling us to righteous living. And the truth is, if we would all accept that call and we would all align ourselves with God's will, then yes, the conflict and the strife would go away and we would not have the kinds of things that we're seeing. But how many of you think that's about to happen? Think about your own life. Are you on the, on the verge of always doing God's will? In what ways does there need to be some sort of a check even on you? How do we find the balance between an enforcement that protects and an enforcement that destroys? I'm going to leave that hanging. And I want to talk to the second group, the uh, don't make me wear a mask, don't infringe my individual freedoms as an American. I treasure and value those freedoms as well. And I'm wrestling in my own life and in my own heart as to what does that mean in an era of pandemic and in an era where we don't really know for sure. Yeah, well, there's a lot of experts telling us this and a lot of experts telling us that. And there is a, there is a, a majority of the experts who are telling us that to wear masks is a good idea. And it even seems as though the data supports that. But to what degree does the opinion of experts dictate how I live my life. See, this is a fundamental existential crisis for the notion of, of American freedom in a lot of people's hearts. Well, some would say, as soon as your actions endanger another person, then that's where they step in. And okay, you can make a case for that. You can make a lot of cases for that, and that's why we have traffic rules and lights and these other things. But you don't have a governor on your car that keeps you from going 100 miles an hour. Should the government put that in? Because, you know, you'd be endangering people. Where do we draw those lines? It is the task of authorities to keep us safe. Yet to what degree can they interfere in my freedom to keep us safe? What if, what if the government decides religion is dangerous? Can they interfere in my practice of religion because something about my religion is dangerous? Well, there are lines there, even there. Child sacrifice is not a thing anymore. And we're glad for that. There's lines. But what happens when those lines start getting close to our own convictions? Where is the line in my behavior between reckless endangerment and just giving over my rights without a fight. 
First Peter chapter two, verse 13, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. I don't have easy answers for these things. It does seem like what Peter is speaking to is that if we as a people are only seen as being uh, hostile and difficult to work with, that that does not in and of itself glorify God. Yet at the same time, he's telling us, live as free people. But don't use that freedom as a cover-up for the kind of sinful desires that wage war against your soul. There aren't easy answers, but I do think that verse 17 here gives us a framework. And I want to read this verse again. And I want you to look at the elements here. It says, show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. So here's what I would suggest this is saying to us. Having a righteous cause does not in and of itself make you righteous. How you pursue your righteous cause will be the determiner. Just being on the right side of the issue in and of itself, does not make you good. Maybe it makes you on the right side of the issue. But if you, you're on the right side of the issue and you're behaving abominably, that's not the same thing as being on the right side of the issue and behaving in a God-honoring way. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Well, this is Peter. Let's, let's let Paul weigh in on this discussion. And, and for Paul, we're going to go to the book of Titus, Titus chapter 3. Now, Titus was, was uh, an evangelist uh, that was with Paul some, but then went off on his own, and Paul sent him to organize churches and do different things. He was one of the apostles, one of the leaders. And Paul writes him a letter, a letter of instruction for how he needs to be instructing the people. And so we pick it up in chapter 3, verse 1. He says this, Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle toward everyone. That's a pretty similar message, isn't it? Pretty similar to what Peter was saying. Here's Paul saying the, the same thing. And, and again, remember, the government he's talking about is Rome. Now, we look at the failings of our own government in our own system and the, and the issues related to that, and there, there are there. There are things there. 
But when we compare them to, to the tyranny of Rome and what was happening in the provinces, particularly to the minority populations in these places, it's quite shocking. And it's quite surprising to hear Paul speaking these words. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle toward everyone. Now, I don't think Paul is saying here, don't advocate. I don't think Paul is saying, don't stand up for what you think is right. I think what he's giving us is counsel on how we do those things. One of the big ones here is, while advocating, don't slander. That's a hard one. Particularly when people on the other side are being stupid in our mind, right? Don't slander. Be peaceable and considerate. Be gentle. You know what, what I think of when I, when I read these words? I think of the approach that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. espoused and demonstrated. He always sought to be peaceable and considerate. Now, did he speak fighting words? Yes, sometimes he did. But to the end of creating this, this loving community, Let's go on. Titus chapter 3, verse 3. At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. Have you read a better description of our time than that verse? But here's the thing. That's not supposed to be describing us anymore. Look at verse 4. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. So malice and hatred are products of this world. And in one sense, you could even say they are a rational product of the evil that happens in the world. And we are not crazy for feeling those things in our hearts, but we cannot let malice or hatred control us. Why? Because we aren't those people anymore. Because it was in kindness that God saved us. It was in mercy that God saved us. And then after He saved us, it says He washed us and He gave us a new birth and a renewal through the Holy Spirit. A continual renewal through the Holy Spirit. 
Let me read it again. Verse 4. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Now, what I want to suggest to you is verses 4 through 7 are the why to the what of the first two verses. And what do I mean by that? So we read the first two verses. Let me read them to you again. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle towards everyone. Why? Verses 4 to 7. Because God poured out His love on us. Because God saved us. Because in mercy He saved us. Because we're reborn. Because we're made new. We're not like we were. Foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved. Living with malice. Hating one another and being hated by one another. We have left that life to become a part of the community of faith, the community of love. God changes us. Now again, in saying this, I'm not saying don't advocate for things you feel strongly about. But what I believe this is telling us is advocate but how you do it is critical. The spirit in your heart makes all the difference. So these are troubled times. And I want us all to check our hearts today. So I want you to check your heart right now. Do you feel anger? Do you feel frustration? Do you feel malice? I know those things well up in me. Check your motives. Think about the things you've been engaged in, the things you're doing. What are your motives? What are your drivers? Is it the anger? Or is it the Spirit of God? Your cause may be righteous. But is your spirit as righteous as your cause? It will show up in your language. It will show up in your attitude. And I believe it will show up in how effective you can be. First Peter chapter 2, verse 16 again. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Now, the show proper respect doesn't just apply to family of believers. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. So what kind of a life has Jesus set you free to live? And what spirit are you called to reveal in a world in troubled times? Advocate. Press for justice. 
defend freedom, but never slander. Always be peaceable and considerate, even when others aren't. By this, I believe, we honor our cause and we honor our Lord. So here's what I'm praying. May God grant us grace to be light in these days. May we all, in fact, be washed and sanctified in Jesus. And may all of our efforts be for ensuring that God's will be done. Amen.